You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Danica Ellis. This is episode number 395.5, and today I'm going to tell you about a couple of my favorite sapphic historical fiction novels. I'm recording this from December, so I'm hoping we got to 2023 okay. Happy New Year. I am currently snowed in. I'm bundled up with a heated blanket and a mug of tea while I work today. It didn't even snow that much by most people's standards, but where I live, it's very mild weather most of the time, and 25 centimeters of snow or 10 inches of snow for Americans is a cancel everything, whole city grinds to a halt kind of event. So it definitely has me feeling a little bit introspective being inside and not really able to get outside or get to much of anything like everything is shut down and the new year is a great time to set goals so I imagine a lot of you are looking forward to the new year that you have set reading goals for the year and I'll be doing that too I always aim to read about 100 books a year That's kind of my average. But this year, I'm also thinking I want to open myself up to more spontaneous reading. And I think that might mean turning down ARC's advanced reader copies, because I definitely agree to more than I should. I quickly get buried in them, and then I feel guilty for not reading them. And I'd love to have a little more space in my reading life for spontaneity and for picking up backlist books. There's so many amazing backlist books I haven't read yet. Both of the books I'm talking about today I read more than 10 years ago, which blows my mind. They've stood up after all that time. I still think about them. And fittingly, they're also both historical fiction. So they match that idea of slowing down and looking back as we enter this new year. I don't read a ton of historical fiction, but some of my favorite books of all time are in that genre, including Tipping the Velvet and Fingersmith by Sarah Waters, my favorite books of all time. So I should probably start picking it up more often. So as we go into the new year, as you're already there and you're thinking about all the things to come, let these books be a reminder to also take some time to look back, learn from our past, Think about the times that have gone by before we rush on into the new things. But enough preamble, let's get into the books. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. 
No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. The first book I wanted to talk about was Miss Timmons School for Girls by Nayana Karamboy. This is such a difficult book to pin down because if you read the description, it sounds like a mystery novel. It takes place in 1970s India, and the main character, Charluda, is a young teacher who has just started working at this British boarding school for girls. And then a body is found at the bottom of a cliff, and Charu is a suspect, and she has to find out what really happened to clear her name. There's some students at the school who are trying to figure out what happened, and it's all very messy. So it sounds like a murder mystery, but in reality, this is only one part of the plot. One of the other teachers at the school is Moira Prince, who is a white lesbian who introduces very sheltered Cheru to a world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's the 70s, after all. And it's also a love story as Moira and Cheru get closer and fall for each other. Their romance is sweet and compelling, but that also is not the core of the story. Instead, this is fundamentally a coming-of-age story. Charu expects that her time at the school will be a continuation of her life as a wallflower. She feels crushed under the expectations of her family, and she's running from a scandal back home. Instead, she discovers that her true self is very different than what she expected. She's bisexual, she ends up falling for two people at once during the course of the story, she thrives teaching Shakespeare, and she also loves her wild nights out. Then one night changes everything, and she has to decide who she's going to be moving forward. There's also a point of view change at about that point of the story, as one of the students at the school begins her own investigation into the murder. What I remember most about this book, though, is the atmosphere. It's set during monsoon season, and you can feel the oppressive atmosphere rolling off the pages. It is tense and engulfing. It really pulled me into the story and didn't let go. I read most of this in one sitting during a 24-hour readathon, and that was a fantastic experience because I felt so immersed in the story. I actually had intended to set it aside and read some shorter books, but I just couldn't stop reading it. I'm not typically a reader who pays much attention to setting, partly because I don't hold images in my mind very well, but this author does such a great job of really making that setting feel tangible. 
And it's not just 1970s India during monsoon season. It's the specific setting of the boarding school that feels isolated and self-contained, which gives the story a restless, claustrophobic energy that only intensifies when the mystery element comes into play. And then matching that atmosphere are the sordid love affairs and family secrets that come to light. Everything is dramatic and scandalous, especially to the main character. Because there are so many different aspects to the story, I think it would appeal to a lot of different readers. It's got that mystery element to hook crime fiction readers, but it's not central enough to the story to turn off readers that don't like mystery novels. It's got romance and drama, but it also includes explorations of caste, religion, and the politics of 1970s India. If you want to read that will completely absorb you into the story until the last pages, definitely give this one a try. And that's Miss Timmons School for Girls by Nayana Karamboy. The next book I want to talk about is also sapphic historical fiction, and it is The Last Nude by Ellis Avery. Have you ever read a book so good that the author immediately becomes a new favorite, even though you haven't read anything else by them? That was The Last Nude for me. It single-handedly gave me a new favorite author and a new favorite artist. The Last Nude is a beautiful, evocative story about a bittersweet romance between a painter and a model during 1920s Paris. Tamara de Lempica was a real artist, and the painter did have a brief relationship with her model, Raffaella. And the last painting that Lempica was working on before she died was titled Beautiful Raffaella. Avery imagines their whole relationship in exquisite detail. Speaking of settings, 1920s Paris is carefully rendered in this novel, and there are cameos from 1920s celebrities, authors, and fellow queer women, such as Gertrude Stein. The famous French bookstore, Shakespeare and Company, also plays a role. I am a sucker for queer books set in the 20s. It was a fascinating time for queer authors and artists in particular, and Paris was the heart of it all. The 1920s seem somehow so distant and foreign and yet relevant to our time. There is also the glamour of that time period and the knowledge that it is only fleeting. We as readers know that the party will come to a crashing halt very soon, and that makes it a particularly fitting setting for this doomed love story. Raffaella is a very compelling narrator. She falls head over heels for Tamara as only someone so young can. She is passionate and makes for such a likable narrator. This is also such a beautifully written book that was a joy to read, even when it was about heartbreak. Raffaella is in many ways a bright-eyed, naive young woman in love, but she's not sheltered. She ran away from her arranged marriage at 16, trading sex work for passage to France. So I do want to give a content warning for underage sex work, and the main relationship happens when she's either 17 or 18, I believe. That's when she falls for this glamorous artist, and she is oblivious to Tamara's negative qualities, ignoring that she doesn't deserve her trust. Still, even if Tamara is not the woman that Raffaella idealizes her as, their relationship helps her to reclaim her own relationship with her body and her sexuality. Both of the books I talked about today are atmospheric with an undercurrent of tragedy. Apparently, that's what I like in a historical fiction novel. 
It also fits with the mainstream sapphic books that were coming out more than a decade ago. They were much more likely to be literary, beautiful, and heartbreaking. I'm grateful now that there is so much more space to swap between stories like this and absolute fluff starring queer women in love. But it's also a good reminder that while queer book publishing has exploded lately, there are still so many excellent books written before 2015 that deserve to still be read today. So if you want to visit the smoky, intoxicating world of queer artists in 1920s Paris, and you can stomach reading about a doomed love story, definitely pick this one up. And that's The Last Nude by Ellis Avery. Thank you so much to our sponsor. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us some love, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate your review and they help other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, you can do that at lesbrary.com for my sapphic book blog. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.